Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, kids, folks? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we got to talk through our transfer portal winners and losers following our May window. We're going to talk about a diamond in the rough and why I think Iowa's defensive coordinator, Phil Parker, is due. Also, some news on that front that I think you'll be interested in. But first... Let us talk about what is going on at Colorado. And I can understand how it feels like this is a Colorado-friendly show. Well, that's because it is. Also, because we want to continue to push this story forward as, well, frankly, it is a big-time program. And it is going to be on a big-time network. Yes, uh, upfronts were like Monday, right? But the news was that Texas Christian versus Colorado will be on Big Fox on September 2nd. Very excited about that. It's a homecoming for Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, as he is from the Dallas, where he lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But also, three weeks ago, we were talking about, my goodness, uh, not what they could be doing at Texas Christian, certainly not what they could be doing against Nebraska, or even what they could be doing in the Pac-12, but that, oh my God, 34 players had entered the transfer portal. Oh my. DEFCON 1 at Colorado. Never mind it. You know, two dozen players, nearly three dozen players left Arizona State, Wisconsin. You know, whatnot. Let's just talk about what's going on at, at Colorado and Coach Prime. All right, let's also talk about they added 24 players since those 34 have left, which means they're up to 76 scholarship players at Colorado. And that means they still got nine left to give. And oh, by the way, among the people that decided to transfer into Colorado, Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, and Cormani McLean, or did you forget? You know, like I, I, I'm getting kind of antsy about this because it feels at borderline unfair in the way that we're talking about how Prime has turned over the roster at Colorado when everybody that knows from football will tell you he didn't have a choice. That team was 1-11 last year. You're not going to win football games with a team that's not that talented in a Pac-12 conference where you have to play USC, Utah, Oregon, Washington. And those are just the teams coming off the top of my head that won 10 or more games last year. Hello? Right now, on top of that, I thought there was a really great interview in The Athletic that Bill O'Boyle gave in an interview. I should say their story was about the offensive line coach, right? That is Bill O'Boyle at Colorado. But the quote, and I'm going to give it its full due here, is worth your time. Okay, so Bill O'Boyle talking to The Athletic says, we might come down to the wire on a couple of guys this summer, but the way it's been going right now, I'm not worried. The media conveniently, the media. We're all the media. You all, it's social media. All right. The media conveniently doesn't bring it up, but we placed a lot of guys already. And 
players are a lot better than what we had. He went on. I get it. Everybody wants us to fall on our faces. No doubt. We're getting pounded by other schools asking players, why are you going to Colorado? They are not established, etc. We know we have 5 million eyes on us, so we are not going to do anything out of line. But at the end of the day, when you play with that chip on your shoulder, you are a different cat. And those are the cats we want. We are going to get this thing done right. Hey, man, Coach Prime says a lot of things, right? But what he ends up saying is with character. It's on everything they do, right? They want to play with character. I don't understand how more people aren't actually enthused by this. And frankly, Prime is an old school coach. Like some of y'all claim to love. I mean, he has taken no guff from no players. He is keeping it 100 and real. Everything you get, you earn, right? You eat because you are providing, not because somebody else is provided. And they are going to go get players that, frankly, are good. Like, I'm going to give you a list of some of the guys that have transferred into Colorado just over the last six months, right? Among them, Jaquez Robinson, who I got to know. There's actually an interview with Jaquez Robinson on the YouTube channel when he was thinking about Oklahoma, end up at Alabama. He's transferred to Colorado, right? Tarverish Dawson, a wide receiver out of Auburn who also clocked 10.58 in the 100 meters. To put that in perspective, right, Jalen Waddle ran 10.68 in high school, all right? And you know how fast Jalen Waddle is. Willie Gaines, a real great speedster from Jackson State, 27 passes, caught 446 yards pass, uh, receiving, excuse me, five TDs. He averaged 16.5 yards per catch last year on an undefeated and regular season Jackson Tigers team, right? And then some hitters, right? We're talking about, Florida State edge, Derek McClendon, who after four years at Florida State comes out at Colorado, having played 38 games, 61 tackles, 12 and a half for loss, seven sacks. My goodness. Last year, he had five tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and 37 tackles, right? We got Vito Tisdale, Big V's son, also another dude that I have interviewed that you can go find on the channel. One of the things I was fired up about with Vito, his daddy is Big V. And Big V was fronting one of my favorite rap groups ever. Nappy Roots, baby. I really love me some Nappy Roots. Uh, watermelon, chicken, and grits. If you know, you know, and Vito can play. 39 tackles at Kentucky. Missed 2022 due to injury. I expect him to figure into that safety rotation for Charles Kelly. Omarion Cooper, another Florida State guy. Six foot, 188. Played 20 games with seven starts at Florida State. It feels like I'm giving you their resume. It's because I am, right? They've also added four offensive linemen and four defensive linemen just since April, all right? It's not as if you got a bunch of bums over here. And plus, like I said last week, there are over 400 players and from Power 5 universities in the portal. Prime only needed 19 of them when I talked last. He only needs nine now to get to 85. We're not even in June. What is this noise about? You know, can we, can we give some of the same noise to, say, USC that turns over the roster the last couple of years like you wouldn't, like we're going to talk about? No, because you know what Lincoln Riley was able to do at Oklahoma because you were paying attention to Oklahoma. Full stop, y'all didn't care about Jackson State. You weren't watching Jackson State. You damn sure wasn't watching FCS football. North Dakota State goes and wins national championships. We got to tell you about it. So don't pretend to know something about how the man builds his program unless you've been following it for the last three years like I have. All right, let's go from that to transfer portals. Winners and losers. Obviously, I've got Colorado as a winner here. Because, you know, you add Shadour Sanders, Cormani McLean in, in the signing class, and then Travis Hunter as a transfer, you're winning. 
We would give that to Alabama. We would give that to Georgia. We're going to give it to Colorado, right? Others that won, USC, LSU, Oklahoma, Florida State, Notre Dame, Michigan. Look, some of this is just about who didn't leave. Like, I get that as you are listening to this, Logan Diggs committed to transfer to LSU as a running back to Notre Dame and had the most carries at Notre Dame last year, but he was not the best tailback at Notre Dame last year. That's a dude named Audric Estime, keep it 100. Other part about this is Harold Perkins ain't going nowhere. That's a win in the transfer portal. Harold Perkins might be the best defense player in the SEC. He could be playing at LSU. Uh, Jared Verse at Florida State. He ain't go nowhere, okay? That's a dude that would have been a first-round draft pick had he chosen to come out this year, right? Sam Hartman decided to move to South Bend, where it's going to be him and, you know, the little leprechaun and, 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 and Mark Freeman. I'm sorry. I've been to, to South Bend. I, I got feelings about it. I'm looking around going, there's no mall. What is there to do here? I'm sure producer Tyler's pulling out his hair going, RJ, I spent four years there. It's fine. It's me, right? And I'm a Oklahoma fan. We play like a champion. It's a whole thing. You understand. Producer Tyler does the show. Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards didn't go anywhere. That's how Michigan is winning. You got two tailbacks that could start for anybody, anywhere, anytime, who decided, no, we'll stay here. We'll run it back. We want to get back to the college football playoff a third time. We would like to beat up on Ohio State a third time. We would like to win a Big Ten championship a third time, right? Oklahoma added some studs on defensive line. Thank God for that. Desan McCullough. Go play some cheetah, right? That's, that's kind of like the second level linebacker, but coming out of Indiana where he played end, that's how athletic Sam McCullough is. Rondell Bothroyd coming out of Wake Forest is a guy that could have gone into the NFL draft. Jacob Lacey, a defensive tackle coming out of Notre Dame. Thank you very much, Notre Dame. We would like to have you defensive lineman. Thank you so much. I, I, I was looking at Jerry Tillery years ago going, damn, can we get one of them? Like <laughs> That dude was a monster, just destroying us. And I still hold a grudge from 2012 and Manti Teo and the whole thing. Now, for USC... I would say Eric Gentry didn't go anywhere. I know he got injured last year, but Eric Gentry was outstanding linebacker for SC and frankly anywhere. And at his height of 6'6", my God, the idea of that dude playing in the middle of your defense as opposed to back in your defense or even wide receiver or in, that's outstanding. But then, again, let's talk about how USC has turned over the roster a la Colorado. So last year, Lincoln Riley turned over the roster with 21 dudes, right? They went 4-8 and eight the year before he got there, turned over with 21 new dudes. They win 11 games to make Cotton Bowl. Get beat by Tulane. You beat by Utah. But win the Heisman. That's something. Got a Heisman trophy. Not like Oklahoma ain't got seven of those. Uh, we also got Dorian Singer transferring in at wide receiver, but I also need to add here, you lose Kyle Ford to USC, or UCLA, excuse me, Gary Bryant to Oregon. So you got to go get the dude that had 1,100 yards receiving from Arizona. You also add South Carolina running back Marshawn Lloyd, who was outstanding for South Carolina last year. Oklahoma State linebacker Mason Cobb, UGA defensive lineman Bear Alexander, Texas A&M defensive lineman Anthony Lucas, Purdue defensive lineman Jack Sullivan, Georgia State defensive lineman Jamil Muhammad. Feels like Prime ain't the only person that went into the portal to go get dudes. But somehow you feel better about him going to South Central than you didn't do going to Boulder, which is not a sentence that I expected to utter ever. And yet, here we are. Those are transfer portal winners. What you lost, not really you losers. It's just you lost some players that you're still looking to replace in the portal. Among those, Michigan State, which has a real problem at quarterback. I don't want to be sugarcoat that. You're asking a lot of Noah Kim and Kate Hauser if you think they're going to replace Peyton Thorne, who ended up going to Auburn. That's a lot set aside. Keon Coleman, who is a combat receiver out there, man. 758 yards that he was accounted for. I think 78 passes caught as a sophomore last year. And in South Carolina, you lose Jaheen Bell, who was something like Debo Samuel for them 
Really interesting cat. 231 rush yards because he had to play tailback when Marshawn Lloyd got hurt. And he also had 261 receiving yards. And you look at him. Yeah, you can find all sorts of ways that he's going to be outstanding at Florida State. That's how they got better. Plus, they got their Oklahoma killer back in Johnny Wilson, who was just beating the hell out of Oklahoma secondary in the Cheez-It Bowl. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Austin Stogner also chose to transfer back to Oklahoma, which would have been your number two tight end. So both your top tight ends at South Carolina, you got to replace. You got to replace your starting tailback. That's that's hard. That's really hard. I mentioned Michigan State and then Oklahoma State. You lost 16 scholarship players, nine on offense. I mean, and it's it's a lot that Mike Gundy's going to have to replace over there. Quarterback Spencer Sanders went to Ole Miss. Offensive lineman Caleb Etienne went to BYU. Wide receiver Bryson Green went to Wisconsin. Wide receiver Braylon Presley went to Tulsa. Wide receiver Stephon Johnson went to Houston. Running back Dominic Richardson went to Baylor. Wide receiver John Paul Richardson went to Texas Christian. I mentioned Cobb went to SC. Trace Ford went to Oklahoma across the Bedlam line. Hello. Safety Thomas Harper went to Notre Dame. De- defensive back DeMarco Jones went to Tulsa. I mean, Jabbar Muhammad went to Washington. It's not like you just lost dudes. You lost dudes that everybody else wants. That's a That's tough, man. You're talking about 16 guys? That's what? Quarter of your roster? And nine on your offense? That's just that's just a lot to overcome there. And those are the dudes that I chose to write down and tell you about. So I expect Mike Gundy will pull a rabbit out of a hat because that's all Mike Gundy has been doing since he's been the head coach at Oklahoma State. He takes dudes like Wes Lunt and wins football games. He takes dudes like Clint Shelf and goes and wins football games, right? If you don't know who I'm talking about, that's my point right there, all right? What I'm saying is Mike Gundy has been a, doing a really great job of finding diamonds in the rough. I am three for three on segues this week, y'all. I'm hot. So our diamond in the rough, Iowa defensive back and, frankly, defensive coordinator, excuse me, Iowa defensive coordinator and defensive back coach Phil Parker, right? Slowing down because I'm very excited to talk to you about Phil Parker. It also is the reason for that, right? I think this dude deserves the Broyles Award. And frankly, he's a semifinalist last year. I just think it's Iowa football, so you don't care. This, this is also my opportunity to tell you. I was very honored to learn that the Broyles Award Committee asked me to become a voter in 2023. And I'm passionate about these awards. I'm super passionate about making sure that recognition goes to the better players and coaches in our sport one of the reasons that we really love doing segments like this one, Diamond in the Rough, right? And Phil Parker has been that guy at Iowa for nearly a decade now. And it's a football thing in a football family at Iowa. Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, right? Phil Parker was coaching for his dad for so long, Norm, until that dude stepped down in 2011. Phil became the defense coordinator at Iowa. But since being the defense coordinator at Iowa, all he's done is absolutely flip that unit into one of the best in college football, full stop. Iowa ranks second from last in expected points added behind these teams, right? That is, how much were you expected to score based on what your offense could do? And we all know what off- offense Iowa was running last year. It's the one where we're trying not to get in the defense's way, okay? So New Mexico went 2-10. and 10. Among others, 10 worst in offensive expo- expected points added. UMass, Rutgers, Colorado State, Colorado, Western Michigan, FIU, Boston College, Nevada, Northwestern, and Texas State. And of those 10 teams, only one had a losing record. Excuse me, had a winning record. Only one had a winning record. 
and that was eight and five. Iowa, who had a horrendous offense, an offense so bad that everybody expected the defense to score points. And frankly, they were really good at stopping other people from scoring too, right? You have a Buckus Award winner in Jack Campbell, the first at Iowa in its history, and they've been playing great football defensively for a long time. You had first-round draft picks in Jack Campbell and Luke Van Ness. You also end at 22 with the number two scoring defense in the country, 13.3 points per game. The number two total defense in the country, 270.8 yards per game. The number six pass defense in the country, just 169.5 yards per game. And the number 12 rush defense in the country with just over 101 yards allowed per game. And you were a sport best, 3.9 yards allowed per play. That is outstanding. And it is simply outstanding because you're able to win football games while nobody expected you to get anything out of the offense at all. It's one of the reasons people ought to be fired up about Iowa football. you got a quarterback everybody knows was good somewhere else about what Brian Ferentz can get out of him this year. But back to Phil Parker, he's putting up the kind of numbers that defensive coordinators usually get paid at least seven figures to continue to do at said school, right? Phil Parker's doing this at the bargain basement price of five hundred ninety-five grand a year. He's been on staff at Iowa since 1999, the same year that Kirk Ferentz came over for retired Hayden Fry. And since being at Iowa City as the D.C. in 2012, the one thing that everybody's been able to agree on, Iowa's defense is going to come and smash you in the mouth. Phil Parker is outstanding at his job. And we're talking about it in May because we will continue to talk about it as the season goes on so that more people understand it's not just that Phil Parker did this last year. It's that he did it the year before. It's that that secondary unit is going to be really good again with Cooper DeGene coming back. They put Riley Moss in the NFL. I'm very excited to find out what head coaching jobs might come find Phil Parker, but it seems to be that dude's found his forever home, right? It's a guy that played Michigan State football, coached at Toledo, and then coached Iowa. He, he just loved being in that Big Ten country. And maybe, maybe somebody will be able to pry him away. But until then... That's one of the best defense coordinators, best coordinators in our sport. And I'm so grateful to be able to tell you. And should they do it once again, would not be surprised to find out that Phil Parker gets my number one on my Broyles Award ballot. All right, let us go talk to Mark Thompson, Houston Gamblers running back and our USFL player interview of the week. All right, I am pleased to be joined by Houston Gamblers running back, Mark Thompson. Mark, how you doing, man? Good, bro. Good. So I want to get us started with this. I reached out to Mark like 15 months ago when I was first informed that I'd be working USFL and I'd be on the beat. And I said, hey, Mark, uh, Daryl, that would be commissioner, Daryl Johnson, is very high on you and thinking about doing a story. And your reply to me was very, very Mark Thompson. Hey, RJ, I really appreciate it. Uh, the offer is huge. However, I'm really focused on being the best product of myself I can be when the lights cut on. When the season begins, if you're still interested, feel free to reach out again. And then you did me the service of locking in my number. And here we are. You are tied for the lead, rushing TDs in the USFL with eight. Your program, I should program your franchise, is at the top of my USFL power rankings as the number one team in the league right now you're at three and two you're looking real good for a spot in the playoffs hey man uh it seems to be coming together for you is it 
Yeah, everything seems to be going the way we want it to go. We control our own destiny at this point. We've just been kind of every weekend better and better, locking more in with the game plan, the schemes, the plays, everything that a great team wants to have going their way. I feel like we're putting it all together. You also got one of my dudes that started a quarterback last weekend. Uh, Terry Wilson will claim Oklahoma City, but from Dale City. From Dale yeah. City. And I'm going to make sure that everybody yeah. knows he's from Dale City. But <laughs> felt like with Kenji being out specifically for that game, that they were leaning on you and another dude that's mine, right? TJ Pledge, who transferred from Oklahoma yeah. to Utah to carry uh, the offensive load. And it's not just that y'all were able to do that. It's that y'all were able to play clean football. How big of an achievement was it for y'all to not turn over the ball and not commit any penalties, at least to Coach Johnson, if not yourself? Uh, it's amazing to everybody because we've said since week one, we're the best team when we have no penalties and no turnovers. If you look at our... Two losses, I believe we either had a lot of penalties or a lot of turnovers, and you just simply can't win a football game like that. And it's definitely more exciting now that I'm in the mix. I feel as though I'm doing my part and I'm changing the game as much as I can. And um, it's it's effective and it's helping out. And like I said, we're clicking on all cylinders. It does look that way. It is coming together in a way that it felt like it was on the verge last year with Coach Sumlin and with Co Coach Johnson. It feels like y'all have – been over that now you are really getting to know yourselves you know what your identity is but I am very curious about uh, being the Birmingham Stallions kryptonite as much as anything else like one of the things that I had been saying is you know that that team's 14 and 3 since the USFL's return and one of the things that gambler fans might tell me is yeah but uh we 2 and 0 so <laughs> what we what we talk about here is that how you feel going into this uh I mean we're 2 and 1 against two and them one, actually yeah, we got that one loss, but even then, I feel as though it was late game situation, and I'm pretty sure it was an interception off of a tip ball. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like we were getting blown out. I don't think we've ever played a game where we were either a not winning in the second half or the fourth quarter, or definitely b we haven't lost a game by more than seven points since the USFL came back. So, like you said, we were always on the brink, on the verge of being great and having the result that we wanted, but. We just needed that extra that extra bit of oomph, and I believe we got it now. So I'm going to take it back to high school because I think this is fascinating. You rushed for 1,298 yards, right, uh, at Dodge City, and we could talk about that, but the 1,500 yards that you had at Cheltenham, I'm curious about that and the 20 TDs, but I'm more curious about three interceptions. So, like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing out there, man? Nah, I was uh I was pretty fast back in the day. Um, so they like to use my speed on the outside and the back end. So I was at safety and corner. You now I can read some coverage. I got a nice little drop back. You know, I read the quarterback eyes and make a play on the ball. You gotta take a chance. Great player to do that. You 230 pounds. You talk about backpedaling and playing safety, man. I mean, look, it's all in your lower half, too. Like anybody that sees you running yeah. the ball. You know, like, we got this great helmet cam. Of, uh, my, my poor man in Birmingham Stallions, he just got sacrificed to the truck guys because you running them over. But it, it really does jump out to me that you can be this big and remain this fast. And then I want to jump ahead from high school to Dodge City because that's when I first came to know about you because I'm covering recruiting back then. You graduate 2013, right? Yeah. So yeah. we're talking about 2014, 2015 when you rushed for 1298. Yeah. So – was that when you grew into the body that you have now? Uh, shoot, I've been I've been about six two two twenty five since I've been I think eighteen and nineteen. 
So it wasn't until I made that um, commitment and jumped to Florida where I put on a little extra weight and kind of got in that 235, 245 range. I just wasn't used to eating like that, you know, <laughs> shout out to scholarship life. And um, yeah, but my weight, I think now is 235 and I'm real comfortable at that. I could even drop down to 230 and be exactly, you know, doing what I need to do and feeling the way I want to feel. It feels like the last 10 years has been such a big journey for you, right? We talk about Florida, the Outback Bowl. You still got the record for the longest pass play for a touchdown. I also think that's the longest pass play for a touchdown in Florida Bowl game history, right? So the the talent has always been there. What do you think you need to show, and what are you showing, frankly, in this USFL season to get your next opportunity? Uh, I have to complete a season. I feel like last year there was – a lot of hype going into the season and those first few games, I was definitely doing what I needed to do to showcase my talent, but I didn't have a strong finish and overall the team didn't do well. And if the team doesn't do well, everyone's not going to get looks. You know, if we all play well, we all going to get looked at. If we don't play well, it's harder to get a look. So I think I just need to keep playing the way I'm playing. I have to do the little things right, which is pass pro, catching the ball at the backfield, really any stigma that they have against a bigger bat. I just need to break that and, you know, keep doing what I'm doing as a bigger back and the advantages that someone can look at me and think, okay, this is what he's good at and what he's not good at. And those things that people think I'm not good at, you can turn on the tape and I can make a case that I am. I think I don't have any drop passes this year. I don't think I had any drop passes last year. I have receiving touchdowns. Um, knock on wood, I plan to have some more this year. So just showing that I can be a complete back for anybody and I can definitely play special teams. It's just the role that I'm in right now you know, I'm, I'm playing my role and doing my job that they want me to do, but anything that they need me to do on this team or any team, I'm down to do. It's a difficult headspace to maintain. It, it really is. And one of the reasons that I think it is because you're in the middle of it, but after last year and how you saw it went for so many guys that played in the USFL, the most prominent of which is Kevontae Turpin, right? Makes right. Pro Bowl after, makes the team and then makes Pro Bowl as a kick returner. Uh, you also got another one of my guys I keep trying. I feel like Houston's just full of my dudes. Manny Bunch went to the University of Tulsa. I'm a yeah. Tulsa alumnus, right? But it's about having that group of dudes like yourself who are so accomplished and so athletic. It's just about getting opportunities. Knowing what the USFL was able to provide last year and what dudes are still on NFL rosters this year, how excited are you to see that the team is doing as well as it is and you're going to get more opportunities as you guys continue, not just play good football, but win football games. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. Uh, that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most is just week in, week out, seeing what we're going to do on game day. Mm. We have a great team. We had a great team last year. And like I said, we were just missing that little bit of oomph to get us over that hump. And we've been doing it. We've been showcasing it. And I think everyone sees that we're the team that we should have been last year and we're coming into ourselves and, Man, I think we just keep getting stronger every single week. And like I said, I'm excited every weekend to see what the game is going to do. Well, I am excited to see y'all in person. Uh, I got a couple trips set up uh, for the Memphis Hub. Be out there, mm -hmm. get to shake your hand, uh, and write this story that I've been looking to write since March 2nd, 2022. Uh, and it feels like now I have reason enough on your behalf to write it. Mark Thompson, thanks so much for joining us here on the number one college football show. And no problem, RJ. Thanks for having me, bro. My thanks again to Mark Thompson for joining us for our USFL player interview. It's always a privilege for me to be able to talk to these men as they make their journey through the United States Football League. 
All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Gabe Gross-Sable. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our production assistant is Kiara Santana. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all next Wednesday. Deuces.